On today's episode, I am joined by a doctor and cult expert who has helped thousands of individuals recover from undue influence and mind control. He goes into detail about the ways in which social media use may be altering our brain chemistry, explains how to combat digital addiction, and discusses the potential consequences that modern technology has on both our mental health and society. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Stephen Hassan, and this is uncovering the truth. Dr. Hassan, I want to start out with a little bit of a curveball. Before we were recording, you said that you have always been critical of cryptocurrency. Now, why, why is that? Uh, good question. So it goes back to my work with people in cults and brainwashing and mind control. And as you may remember, I wrote a book that first came out in 1988 called Combating Cult Mind Control. And uh, by the way, that book got updated dramatically after the internet back in 2015. But, and I'm mentioning that because my original book didn't talk about multi-level marketing cults or pyramid schemes, but I, I, I started hearing from endless, a lot of ex-Amway people, but endless multi-level marketing things. And they read my book and they're like, it was a cult. And then we started analyzing it by the bite model. In fact, on my freedomofmind.com website, I have a number of blogs as well as a bite model analysis, which stands for behavior control, information control, thought control, and emotional control. And the gist of the, those groups is they sell you a dream of being wealthy part-time and they show all these glorious pictures of yachts and mansions and Rolex watches, et cetera, et cetera. And the way these groups work is the people who start them make a lot of money and maybe the first level mm -hmm. or two that get in make money. But the rest of it is uh, based on what I heard Bill Gates actually say about crypto when he was asked. It's based on the greater fool theory which mm -hmm. is if you can recruit a lot of other people to buy into the dream, you make the money, they lose the money as it gets bigger and bigger, and then it collapses or the authorities go after you and shut it down. And right. I'll just comment that uh, uh, Keith Ranieri, who is featured in the vow uh, Nexium cult, is in jail for 120 years for trafficking, uh, started out as an MLM. He had consumers byline and 20 attorneys general sued him and went after him, shut it down. And then he started another MLM cult using Nancy Salzman as his front person selling coaching as mm. a franchised kind of thing. But it's all based on a dream and a fantasy. And regarding crypto, it always struck me as like, if everyone goes to crypto, who pays for the firemen and the policemen and the road work? And, you know, how does that support a culture where we have mutual survival? And it and I realized in interacting with friends like Dave Troy and 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 other people who've done a deeper dive than me with crypto, it's it's a fascist attempt to overthrow democracies, to basically create a a way of sharing funds for terrorist organizations and for extremist, you know, illegal drug traffic and labor trafficking and sex trafficking. And it's like, whoa, 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 but 
I want to I want to just say, if I may, Dash, the number one rule in this information warfare space that we're all living in is mm -hmm. what's the source? Like, who is the source of this information? And when mm -hmm. you think about Bitcoin, nobody knows who started it. This it, Satoshi, Satoshi, who is it? Is it yeah. Peter Thiel? Is it uh -huh. Elon Musk? Is it a group of people? I There are names that are probably at the very top of this, but it's really, a, you know, supporting anarchists, people who want to destroy civilization as we know it and set up such a, a, a authoritarian thing. So I'm very negative on crypto. Right. If I could just, so, okay, I'll, I'll process that. And but how is it any different, though, than, let's say, any other resource that we place value in and whoever gets in at the bottom first, like, you know, what they call the quote unquote whale with a lot of capital who benefits the most when more people buy in. But how is this any different than the stock market where the big banks have all been? And, 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 and I know the, and really quickly, there's a lot. Of, oh, I'll let you go. Yeah, no, I, I think the critical thing is if there's government regulation and checks and balances um, to protect investors, fine to have digital currency or we already are moving money digitally mm -hmm. all over the place with banks. That's not the problem. The problem is that it's it's an attempt to crash the US economy and mm. get rid of the US dollar as the world reserve currency and set up China or some other bad actor or just crypto where the billionaire corporate people have a game that everyone else is being puppet puppets to. I, but I would argue that actually it's the same thing going on in Wall Street where it is all a game and and then the poor people are most people, nobody beats the 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 S and P five hundred except for the big Wall Street traders. Absolutely, and there are definitely problems, and there are definitely abuses of the system. But there is something called insider trading. If you can catch somebody or have a whistleblower, then that person can go to jail. Like that, this is like crypto, the wild wild west where there's no regulation, there's no protections. And it, um, and basically, this... you know, the, the 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 critical thing is whether or not we care about living in together in a civilized way, or we believe in Ayn Rand cultum that selfishness is great, altruism is evil, and believe in social Darwinism. Hey, I have a lot of money, therefore I'm superior to everybody <laughs> else, and so let them starve, but my family will be fine. Like that's not how I view reality. Well, that's a that's a, a whole other um, problem of humanity where some of us uh, prioritize greed over connection and stepping on people's throats to make a profit. But for, just for uh, the the cryptocurrency in itself, I just don't see how it's any different than it's the modern day gold rush where who's placing all of this value in gold back then, correct? Same way now. Is there any value to digital currency? Uh, maybe not, but again, it's there is a there is one aspect of it that is decentralized finance that takes away power from the oligarchs, from the big Wall Street firms, and yes, people have gone broke, and there is no regulations, which is a problem. Yet at the same time, it also potentially represents a a system for the people. But like you said, 
it can be exploited by terrorist groups, by traffickers, and it's unregulated. However, it is a transparent network where you can trace who sent the money to who. It's a tra- The blockchain is a transparent um, thing that shows the trades. Well, so my understanding of the stock market is that companies actually make things or do things that have value. Warren mm-hmm. Buffett made his fortune uh, and for his investors by looking at companies, their books, and seeing whether or not they're undervalued or what the future looks like. But there's something really substantial. This is a dream. This is a fantasy that has no basis in reality. It's not tangible yet. At the point that the U.S. Mm -hmm. government sets up a system to regulate digital currency, fine with me. But I go back to who started Bitcoin? It's very and, and are, are, is it just, you know, spending millions and millions with actors and influencers to convince them of courage and this is the new frontier? And it's like, what? Web, web three, right? Yeah, it, it's a very fascinating. And I like it's, it's interesting how you bring up that it's it's it can destabilize a democracy or or, or destabilize an economy. Because the the whole premise of it, right, is if the dollar goes down, then crypto will be worth more. However, we just went through a period of of the worst inflation in, in nearly 50 years and crypto went down. So I thought that was pretty fascinating that it kind of that was counterintuitive to what I thought the fundamental value of cryptocurrency was. Ah, there's so many points I want to make, but um, I want to remind you that the GOP was saying that it, when they win the majority, they're going to default on the U.S. debt. Yes. And take money out of Social Security and Medicare, et cetera, et cetera. So what would be the outcome of that if they default on the debt and America is no longer viewed as a safe place for people to invest in, it's going to cause the collapse of the United States as the world currency. And I, that's why I feel like people like uh, Dave Troy, when they say this is a fascist plan, part of a larger World War III type plan to destroy mm. America, basically, and cause Americans to kill one another, as well as take a- away our potential influence for human rights and protecting our allies in Ukraine and Taiwan and other places. Mm -hmm. You know, that's interesting. I do see it as a, uh, I do see a lot of nefarious actors exploiting the, the crypto new frontier of pitching it. And that's all the videos we we get bombarded with through advertisements, right? Come join this, this altcoin or this one, you're going to get rich. It's a get rich quick for a lot of them. I'm not sure if crypto itself, there's a, a man above who's pulling the strings, but I will acknowledge that that it is a dangerous landscape right now where it's a you're the wild, wild west. And so that kind of brings me to my next point. I think young people like myself and something you're focused on now is that we live in the digital age and it's, in my opinion, the social media has been embedded into our economy, now into our social life. So we can't get off of it even if we want to, but what do you, what do you think about that as just a, 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 from a mental health perspective of how is this technology eroding something about the human spirit that is, that we should be much more protective against? Yes. 
Categorically, yes. And I just did an interview with one of the world's authorities on uh, on the effects on the human mind. Uh, a psychiatrist, Harvard psychiatrist, Carl D. Marcy, M-A-R-C-I, uh, wrote a book called Rewired, uh, Protecting Your Brain in the Digital Age. And it's a peer-reviewed Harvard University press book that looks at effects across the developmental uh, system on our brains. And essentially, it's bad. It's more bad than good. Because, for example, um, I'm out and about and I'm looking at parents giving phones or screens to little infants to babysit them. Mm -hmm. And one of the points he makes correctly, I think, as a mental health professional, is that the brain, when a child is born, the brain is bursting with neurons looking to make connections. And part of the human experience is interacting mm. with humans, mm. being with mom, being held by mom, being hearing mom's voice, dad, aunts, uncles, grandparents. We our mirror neurons are picking up our environment, and mm. you know there's a there's a whole range of brain typology that we're exploring and understanding. There's what's called neurotypicals, which is a bell-shaped curve. I'm a neurotypical. And then there's the neuroatypical, including autism spectrum disorder, including really high-functioning spectrum disorder mm -hmm. like Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Zuckerberg, Jobs. And I listened to, uh, I went to a training um, by AANE.org on autism. And I listened to a man give a talk named Steve Silberman, who wrote a book called Neurotribes. Mm. And his thesis was that the people who created all these major social media platforms were neuroatypicals. So they're more comfortable with screens and coding oh. than interacting with humans. And so they created an environment that works for them, but with the effects on everybody else that isn't neuroatypical, we're getting rewired to be neuroatypical, which includes shortened attention span, shortened ability to concentrate, we're multitasking where we're jumping from one thing to another. We're not doing deep thinking unplugged and then I just need to say that it's wow. clear because I, I I know B.J. Fogg's work at Stanford Persuasive Labs that Tristan Harris was a student of his. I know his work. He's the one who taught Zuckerberg and Jobs and everyone else how to make social media addictive, addictive. so that it captures our attention and we need to keep doom scrolling. Yes. Like, like the ringing bell of Pavlov's dogs. We hear the bell of a notification and we're immediately going to our phone. We're sitting at dinner with our friends, maybe people we haven't seen in years and phones are out. And it goes and people off. People are checking phones, turn them off. Don't even have them in the room. There's actual research that says our brains clear out if, if we put the phone off in another room rather than turn it off and leave it on the table. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that 
we need to be in control of computers and social media, not it controlling our minds. And that was actually the title of my first TEDx talk was, is, is technology controlling our minds? And the answer is yes, it is. Yes. And then you, and, and you add bad actors who want to and exploit, infuse, destroy trust in leaders, experts, science, uh, vaccinations, corporations, conspiracy stuff that then it makes it even more dangerous and why it's so important to always. And I hope anyone who's listening to this uh, think who's the source for this information? Has it been verified? And I if wonder it hasn't been verified. Don't share it. Don't like it. Wait, because it will either get shown to be a fraud and disinformation or it will be exposed by experts as legit. Well, it's just so interesting that that Steve Silverman theory you just brought up that they've created a world that they're comfortable in, but they know. And I will self-admit when I'm feeling uncomfortable, anxious, lonely, depressed, any range of those emotions, there is a giant pull factor for me to pull up my phone and escape those feelings. And that is the world. I'm like, oh, finally, this I'm around people. I'm around this, but you're not connecting with anybody and it comes worse. But I wonder the human mind, the human body, we cannot resist when this technology is in front of us. If you put us in a vulnerable spot, we're going to grab that phone. And before all this technology, we were forced to self-reflect in these moments and solve them in the real world. So, yep. and this is why you said it's creating neuroatypical minds with young people. And that terrifies me, a young person who can now escape onto their phone when you're talking about you're going through puberty, you're going through the first time you, you're liking a girl or, you're, or, 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 or meeting new friends. Now you don't have to do that. You don't have to go through those fear, which is terrifying. What happens to a child who doesn't experience these things? Yeah. So the, the key dash is looking at developmental psychology. We actually know a lot now, including neuroscience on healthy development and unhealthy development. Mm -hmm. And the healthiest uh, uh, development of our mind is real life relations. People yeah. we can look into each other's eyes, hug each other. Like I'm, I'm for hugging like three seconds at least with people that you love. Like my wife and I, we <laughs> hug every morning. It's so it shares oxytocin. It makes you don't feel alone anymore. And it's, Having, having real friends that you can just let down your persona rather than a public persona right. that you're projecting to followers. I know you have a lot of followers on Twitter. I have a lot of followers, but how many people actually know me in any how way, way or read my books? Very, very few. And the research is, is that in, in a lifetime, a human being maybe has 100 to 150 real connections. And that's over the span of a lifetime. And it's like, yes. so that's, no, but then again, though, if I were to look at my own situation, which sometimes I get carried away, I'm like, you know, well, I have all these hundreds and thousands of followers here. This life is better here than it is in real life. And I mean, that's a dangerous situation. 
and because it's not real and the metaverse is 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 that, that zuckerberg is trying to sell to all of us i did an interview with one of the top computer ai people on the planet rand waltzman who by mm. the way on twitter if you're not following him it's cogsec cognitive security c-o-g-s-e-c -E he he there's overwhelming messages wow. beware the metaverse why because with ai we're having an immersive environment where not only where it's as real or close to it's going to get more and more like real but the the forces that are manipulating us have profiles of our likes our dislikes it has images mm -hmm. of the people we love and are close to that it can artificially put in politicians faces and other people like that that if we're not aware of the technological manipulations that are being done on us if there's no data privacy and no uh, legislation of these things mm -hmm. people can be programmed into into authoritarian cults very fast wow. very scary the it's flip scary. side as as you know my inf my podcast is called the influence continuum and that's influence from ethical to unethical correct technology can does a lot of great things there's some some really potent um uh, vr experiences in, in psychology for example phobias mm. you can be afraid of heights but if you're wearing a helmet and you're sitting in a chair in the middle of your living room but you look like you're looking down off a cliff you can accommodate your central nervous system to not freak out anymore because you are using your prefrontal cortex to analyze going, I'm feeling all this fear, but there's no danger. You, wow. You, Let me... you want to empower this part of our brain and not just go with what we're feeling at the moment. You bring up something very interesting here. And, and I guess that this just popped into my mind, this question, but let's say we, want to solve the phobia of what if we exist without our phones for a couple hours a day that is a true phobia that i have stepping away what, from my so phone for... let me interrupt you i'm going to put on my mental health cap for a moment mm -hmm. so what's the fear what's you say you have a phobia that if you don't pick up the phone what's the fear well for me personally i run you know, I, I, I run the, the podcast. I run some of my, well, not even a business, just some of the activism I do. And I feel that if I step away from the phone, I will miss out on that piece or that post that may turn into something. And I'm telling you, this is starting me. I begin to think in such a greedy capitalistic way, and that's not who I am, but, and as well, if I decide to leave, what if I miss that uh, text from someone? What if I miss out on this social experience? Or so again, if without my phone, I feel sometimes naked and alone, which is terrifying. And it makes me want to go back onto my phone. And I'm sure other people feel this way, or maybe I'm overreacting. I, I, I'm guilty of that too. Uh, I am a human being. I'm not perfect, but I really endeavor to uh, walk my talk and uh, right. be congruent in terms of things. And what you're describing is called FOMO, fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. And in fact, in chapter nine of Dr. Marcy's book, really 
check it out called Rewired. I'll listen to my interview with him. Mm-hmm. He he says substitute FOMO for Jomo. And I said, what's Jomo? You know, of course <laughs> I read the book, but I asked him joy of missing out. <laughs> That's like, great. Like what real life experiences can I have where yes. I'm not sucked into this artificial, you know, reality and I can be with real friends and talk, be myself, not be an artificial image, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a balancing act, but my whole work is about freedom of mind. That's what I call my company. It's like I say, it's your mind. You should control it, not someone else, not mm-hmm. your phone, not the social media platform, not some political party, left or right political party. You should oh, right. be thinking, what are my values? What is my best life? And um, I was just reading, uh, I don't know if you know John Pavlowitz. He's on Twitter. He's very I've active. He's a Christian him. pastor that has been messaging like Christianity is not what the Trump base is <laughs> promoting at all. Anyway, mm-hmm. he, he put out a tweet this morning about how he had he had uh, surgery and, and basically nearly died. And the idea of, of when people are God. facing imminent death, they're not saying, oh, I need to be on Twitter more or I, I should have mm-hmm. made more money. They're thinking about people they love. They're, talk, they're thinking of people who are meaningful to them. Yeah. You know, we, and that's, we need, to, we, need to that. to, we need to return back to real basic human rights and human values. Like don't do to others what you don't want done to you. Mm-hmm. I will Be say honest. Don't have yeah. relationships with liars because you can't yeah. trust them. Don't vote for people who are liars or promote lies. Why? Because you can't trust that they really are genuine and that they care about you. Yes. So, and right? I, I think, I think something interesting about all of this as well is um, you, you talk about, you know, for a long time, the mainstream media perpetuated this narrative and whether that's a nefarious agenda or they just had the facts wrong, although at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. But they said that there was going to be, you know, the red wave of Republicans winning and not to get too political here, but. I'm sure that put a lot of people, including myself, in a state of constant fear, panic, anxiety of, oh, no, the world is doomed or, or oh, no, we're helpless. And then they got it wrong, which leads me to ask, why would I ever watch these mainstream news networks again when they put me in, a sta- in an awful state of mind for the past year and they got it wrong? How is that ethical? I mean, I, it's just crazy to me. Well, so we, we, it's a deeper conversation, which I'd love to have with you. It'll probably take a few hours, but <laughs> um, the bottom line is, is that there are five or six media conglomerates that control all the major media, not your podcast, not my podcast, not smaller entities, but I'm talking the big, the oh, big yeah. uh, channels and that they seem to be more interested in money and greed and getting a bigger slice of the pie than survival. 
Or like, what kind of planet am I leaving for my children and my grandchildren? And how are they going to judge me, the corporate right. executive, making these decisions, knowing, for example, the claiming that the climate crisis is not a crisis and we should put our attention elsewhere. That's what the tobacco industry did for decades. They knew people were dying. They and did. by the way, have you noticed how the, the people are smoking again and movies and everything else that's very deliberate and the vapes. placement to yes. get people to be uh programmed and conditioned that it's 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 cool big secret you want to relax take a deep breath <sighs> and get and stop watching it works all this. without a cigarette hey and you don't poison yeah. your lungs hey well, breathing I yay do it, it just it, this but it's just but it, what's so interesting about this is that if i want to disconnect from the mainstream media and i also want to disconnect from social media it's like well i am now cutting myself off of virtually all information sources except for hard books or the newspaper and it's like are we supposed to return to that no i don't think so i'm not i'm not getting off of twitter until i'm kicked off of twitter Mm -hmm. uh, I have set up a Mastodon account on Dave Troy's server called Toad.Central, which is a bizarre title, but he thinks it's a big goof and it's a, a term that he used forever. But no, I think the key is having uh, multiple sources of information, but using your own judgment, your own curiosity mm -hmm. And finding trustworthy experts who know more than you on a specific topic, not trusting them blindly, but using them as gauges. And what I find is I, I'm, I'm reading two to three books a week again. It was what I was doing before I got recruited into the Moonies. I love to learn. I have a hunger wow. to learn. And I realize how little I know. And at age 68, I don't think I have that many more years around. So I want to keep learning and passing on what all this knowledge and experience I've developed to the younger generation, which is why I reached out to you, Dash, and said, hey, Dash, let's talk now that the, the, the bulk of the midterm election results is out, because it's mm -hmm. clear that young people like yourself are the future. And as the generation, probably your parents age or maybe mm -hmm. your grandparents age i feel bad for the world we've left your generation and don't look to us for solutions start using all your genius brain power and creativity to come up with out of the box new approaches for how we can live planetarily together like wow. we're now at a planetary extinction period and i do want to make one more comment that i grew up in the nuclear bomb age like i literally got under yes. my wooden desk in elementary school in case russia nuked us like i grew up with that fear Gosh, that there were thousands of, of missiles aimed at new york mm -hmm. you know and it was like what the hell are we supposed to do okay let's get high <laughs> let's yeah. tune out right you know, let's do some acid because that but that's what's happening now. A lot of people are into psychedelics and they're just tuning out 
or they're spending all their time on video games or other things instead of contributing their unique powers and resources to finding solutions that are sustainable. I, I just wonder about these solutions because one of the modes of communication that's popular, as you know, among Generation Z and the generation above us, millennials, is social media, which is the very tool that we're we're making this claim that is so awful for our mental health. So I try to use it for good with this podcast. I try to remain unbiased. I try to just put information out there and invite experts like yourself on to speak. But it's like I can't get off of it because then we let the disinformation purveyors win. And this technology can be used to both destroy our generation and the fossil fuel industry can use it to with advertising and messaging to further erode our planet and cause global warming, or we can use this technology to save the planet. So we're in such a very dilemma here where, like you said, it's the young people's job to figure out solutions, but we've got a lot of awful uh, gadgetry at our hands that I, I question sometimes, is this social media the answer or do we need to wean off of it altogether? No, I don't think it's an all or nothing. And I'm very nervous about anyone who's very, you know, black and white, all or nothing, good versus evil, us versus them. That's very simplistic. We live in a complex system. And I, I definitely think what we want is more engagement, not less engagement, but we need to interact in the real world. Now, when we had the pandemic and people had to be socially isolated and everything, it just sped up the anxiety, the depression. So many people are taking uh, medication where they should be working out or they should be hugging or making love or going bowling together or playing softball or you know, raking leaves, playing with their puppies doing human things going on a walk even and and just really quickly there but there was a lot of people uh during the coronavirus pandemic who did not have a relationship did not have friends did not have their family where they're living in the same state as them and that's where because i went to attended ucla during the masks period and yeah. i must i must say it was awful i mean what it takes away the whole experience and so i understand why people are so resistant to wanting to put the mask on. It just creates so much isolation. And then you have your digital social media where you turn to and it further perpetuates the the loneliness. So, but I couldn't say these things before because uh, then, you know, I, I felt that I would perhaps be attacked by the, the left for saying, oh, you're an anti-masker. I'm like, well, I'm not an anti-masker. I'm pointing out that there are some consequences to wearing the mask, especially for young people where it takes away I think some some important social experiences that we should have. Definitely, no question. So I want to go back to uh, a central thesis in the Cult of Trump book that I wrote that came out in 2019, if I may. And that is the mm -hmm. concept of fourth and now fifth generation warfare, psychological warfare, right. where state actors but like Russia and China, but also... Christian extremists, neo-Nazis, uh, other people with a, extremist agendas are literally messaging to create polarization where there are these extremists on the left and the right that yeah. are dominating so much of the airwaves and our brainwaves 
but we really shouldn't be paying attention as much. And that's where the the actual coding of the algorithms and Twitter and, and Facebook, et cetera, are so deleterious. And I, I want to do a shout out to uh, the Center for Humane Technology, uh, Tristan Harris, Aza Raskin. Uh, in fact, was Tristan was just on 60 Minutes uh, a week ago talking about if we don't change the algorithms, if we if we don't deselect for greed and select for values and community and positivity, if we can't do that, then I do think people need to make better choices of where they're spending their digital time. Um, but he, and and check out just... check out chapter nine of Karl Marcy's book because he he he's a big advocate for using technology but not being used by technology i i read what tristan harris is talking about there though in a larger broader perspective is to ask corporations to go against making money for the betterment of humanity and <laughs> it's like asking a a vegan to eat a steak right it's not going to happen i disagree i actually I, disagree with that you, thesis in the okay. short run Greed wins, you know, the profit margin for the quarter wins, but in the long run, people are going to leave the platform. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to one of my teachers, Robert Cialdini, who um, wrote one of the most famous books uh, called Influence. He came up with six universal principles of influence. Um, and, and, and he said, if you're going to use these techniques unethically in other words if you're using it on people but you wouldn't want them used on you or you wouldn't want them used on your mother or your wife or your your boyfriend or your husband or whatever mm -hmm. um don't use them because people will not trust you like you can con them a certain point and then people go uh -uh, not gonna do it anymore and that's what I think in the bigger picture in American politics is happening. There's a lot of fatigue about oh, yes. about you know election denial and 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 how evil all people who aren't in the GOP are because they're trafficking and 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 drinking blood of children. Nonsense stuff, right? Right. right. But they're fatigued with that, and and people need to you know we need to have conversations with each other and not attack each other and that's right. the big shift that i think needs to happen where there's more effort to educate people about social psychology how the mind works how to listen to each other mm -hmm. not just think about how we're going to respond to a question but actually listen to what the person's saying and reflect on it right right and like how many people turn off their social media an hour or two before they go to sleep at night and listen to I, music or write a journal or read. play with their dog or their cat. Like we need to do more self-care. And now I'm going to give a lecture on sleep and just how we need seven to nine hours sleep mm. average for our, our brain to work properly. Most Americans are sleep deprived, which means they're not 
they're not using their thinking. They're going with their emotions. In other words, instead of evolving and developing, mm -hmm. we're devolving. We're going back to a childish state of simplistic, all or nothing, good versus evil, instead of going, wait a minute, there may be another side to this position that I don't know. Let me ask. I'm yes. intelligent. Let me ask and see if I'm missing something and be it's... prepared to change your mind. That was another right. TEDx I did. How can I know if I've been brainwashed? Unplug from social media and media, study mm -hmm. models of mind control, deliberately seek out contrarians, ex-members, critics of your position, then reflect on your, your involvement using the models of brainwashing, using the information you've now deliberately exposed yourself to and self-reflect and ask, if I knew then what I know now, would I have ever done X? And if the I answer just, is no, mm -hmm. time to leave. And well, there shouldn't be a stigma and a fear. Oh, um, people, my, my relatives are going to say that I told you so. Trump was a cult leader. Don't say that to people. Invite them back into your lives and and mm -hmm. and, and find common ground. Yeah, I think that's just so uh, interesting and paradoxical that we have to unplug in order to find out if we're being played or we're being mind controlled. And yet after we find out the truth, then we go right back on to the platforms, which we're now the, we're now the digital control. It's happening online. You know, there are, there are YouTube YouTubers who, who many are addicted to. I get caught up in some people where I want to watch all their videos. And then I'm like, Oh my goodness, I'm being pulled into this, this toxic relationship between me and this person who I've never met. It happened to me, like I said in our podcast before, with Tony Robbins, all the self-help gurus. I was addicted to that stuff. I was reading their books, watching their sermons, their speeches, <laughs> their, their conventions. Because you're bright and you want to learn and you didn't have a high, um, not high, but you didn't have a uh, refined way of evaluating what's healthy, who's the legitimate expert and who's bogus. Right. Like when I, I, I'm a big fan of ethical uh, therapeutic uses of hypnosis for dealing with all kinds of issues and problems. But right now there's no regulation and a lot of people are using NLP and hypnosis like Tony Robbins to make money and to recruit and to right. get a big following. So, you know, the thing is, is we learn like the fact that we're talking right now. You, I hope you and your listeners will reflect on these things Yes, and and try turning your phone off, like try giving yourself. And that's what I like about the Apple thing where they can measure your screen time. The <laughs> average Amer American adult is online 11 hours a day. My goodness. Now it's doctor hours and our attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And that's not good. We need to know how to concentrate, how to think deeply about a subject. And by the way, I get into what you just described. I'll find somebody like Adam Grant. I discovered Adam Grant. I'm like, oh my God, I've got to read this guy's books. He's one of the top social psychologists in the world. And he's taught me so much. So I will listen to his podcast. I, not every single one, because I want to expose my brain to lots of things. But the thing is, is you have X number of hours today. How do you want to use it? 
Right. Now, Stephen, I mean, Dr. Stephen Hassan, let me just <laughs> for the audience there, because I want to ask you, what is some advice that you could give to us? Uh, speaking of, you know, offering free advice here, what can you offer to us who say, hey, we want to take a break from from digital. We want to find out, you know, who we really are. We want to disconnect from our digital gurus, our podcasts, our Twitter, our TikTok, or all of that. What is the most effective thing we can do to perhaps self-hypnotize into, you know, uncovering who we really are and and finding ourselves again to disconnect in this digital so you mentioned self-hypnosis. I actually am a big advocate for self-hypnosis. I what is that? I, I I it's going inside and giving yourself positive messaging. Like for example, one of the first things I learned 45 years ago when I started was a, a, going to a safe place in your mind. What's a safe place? Well, it's imaginary place <laughs> where you can go and no one can hurt you and you can just be real and be yourself. <laughs> and some people make a desert island. Some people have a mountaintop retreat or whatever. But the idea of, of, of visualizing yourself in the future, doing what you want to do, being the, the kind of person you want to be, uh, is very, very powerful. That's how I did my doctorate, honestly, I, without using self-hypnosis. And, and and I saw a therapist for a period of time. I didn't have the confidence I could do a PhD in, the, in my mid-60s, but I was so passionate about wanting to update mm. the law on to have a frame to understand undue influence that that was my driver. So that's what I largely did while I was in COVID land was was doing online courses and, and writing chapters for books and ultimately my dissertation. Listen, it, you're a human being, you're an adult. Turn off your phone, try it for an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you want to do? Yeah, and I would encourage you, Dash, I don't know you, but I have childhood friends. Call them. I have yeah. sisters, I have nephews and nieces. Hi, how are you? What's going on in your life, etc. It's it it fulfills me. And, and lastly, I like helping people. It gives me energy. I love hearing from people who say, "Oh, your book saved my life 30 years ago. Now I'm married, I have a PhD and I have mm -hmm. three kids." I'm like, "I'm joyful." Yeah. It, it keeps feeding this energy because the world needs good energy right now. So, so it seems to me that one of the the conclusions here is is to just get back into the real world in any way that you can, to just have a real contact instead of diving deeper into this online space that's going to be here forever. Just think about, you know, it's my mind. I want to control it. I don't want to be controlled by other people. I don't want to be controlled by other groups. And I don't want to be controlled by any machine or artificial environment. Mm -hmm. And act as if your time and your mind and your body are precious because they are. Yeah. And, and you know, just like be grounded in your body in the here and now. I'm going to ask you another therapeutic question I often ask my clients, Dash. Again, free. we, we I love free therapy. Well. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's not there. It's, it's, it, it's the kind of therapy I do, which is educational. It's sharing my own journey and my clients journeys. But the question is think back in your life to when you felt the most you. Mm. Wow. <laughs> That's a powerful question. It's a very powerful. I, it's when I am, I've got to say, it's when I am doing something, doing an activity. I can't think of a specific moment, but it's it's when I'm lost in some passion of mine or when I'm not thinking, when I am communicating so with someone. It sounds like you're describing a flow state yes. where you're immersed into an activity, which is typical with sports and music and a mil- you know, writing books and and etc., which is a good state, flow states. Stephen Kotler is one of the top people on flow states these days. Mm-hmm. But um, when I when I have clients coming to me who were born in cults, they were abused, they were traumatized, and they're like, Steve, you were recruited into the Moonies at 19. You had an identity. You had something to go back to. I don't know who I am. And what can I say to them? I ask them, when do you feel the most you? And they often say, I don't know. I say, tell me next week. Think about it. And they come back with when I'm playing guitar, when I'm Mm -hmm. teaching children, when I'm walking in the woods, when I'm hiking, when I'm climbing, when I'm playing a, a certain sport. So that gives a foundation for sense of self. And then they say, yeah, but I didn't have healthy parents. I don't, I don't know what. And I, I have to teach them like what's normal developmental psychology? Mm-hmm. What are the, you know, what's normal? And I ask people to create the self they want to be. And they're like, you can do that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. damn, for sure, yes. <laughs> wow. It's it's a great feeling. I mean, I, I it's what a powerful question. I'm still stuck and I want to feel more. And, and this is me speaking generally. I feel most people want to feel more like themselves as opposed to feeling powerless. And yep. there are a lot of lot of vices today that can can trigger that powerlessness feeling. Yep. So the disconnection. Yeah, so the thing is you're very bright and bright people tend to spend a lot of time in their thinking and yep. their anxiety and their worrying about a future that hasn't happened yet. Uh, yeah, the guilty. flip side are people spending too much time reliving trauma that has already happened and there's no trauma happening right now. That's why it's so important. Uh, my teaching is about being in your body in the here and now with a positive future orientation. And when people say, I don't know what I want to do, I say, pick something. You can always change your mind, but mm. have a target. And if you're thinking ahead, you think developing skill sets, like one of the best skill set that young people can develop is how to speak, how to how to communicate, how to listen, how to public speak, how to write good at that, because you can use it in a billion areas, right? Work on work on these real skills and passions that we have. Yeah. And we have we have to avoid the traps of sometimes we fall into a trap of well, oh, this is not going to make me money and this, I don't know how to get a career from this. And then we stop doing what we love because of the the pressure to, to achieve financial security. Yeah. So the whole, the whole programming of Americans and therefore <laughs> the 
world about consumerism and the need to consume to feel happy, you're not happy. You buy a nice car, you're happy for a few days or weeks, and it's not happy. Go for fulfilling things, things that feed your soul, right? Mm. And I, if you haven't seen um, a mm. documentary called The Century of the Self by Adam Curtis, all about Edward Bernays, who is the godfather of PR, public relations, Go back in time and understand the evolution of the psychology of influence. Because what Bernays said, he wrote a book called Propaganda in 1928. He said, don't sell a person a product, sell them on the need for a product. Then they'll buy mm. the product. Wow. Right? That's, that's, so that's... It's, it's that psychology. I need to... I need to uh, be sexy, so I'm going to buy a car with the beautiful woman on it or the mm -hmm. handsome guy on it to associate that that physical object with happiness. But that's not what real happiness is. And if you're believing that, that's you know PR and marketing. And yep. in the end, like I said, when when people are facing death, they're not thinking about I wish I had bought, you know, a better car or I, I wish I had earned more money. They're not thinking that at all. They're like thinking of love and the people they feel close to that they've shared deep experiences with. Right. I what we're all looking for is freedom of mind, which is your website. It's one of your big books. And as well, we're looking to disconnect from all of this, especially after a tumultuous political year of the coronavirus. Uh, I think everyone's ready to, to settle down and just enjoy life the way it used to be before all of this digital era. So I just yeah, want to gonna encourage your listeners to disconnect completely yet, but I do think it's time to start uh realizing you don't want to be on automatic pilot yeah you know with your technology and actually turn off your phone and say i'm going to check email three times a day <clears throat> and mm -hmm. not do it all day long and and experiment with what works for you in the meantime do you know your neighbors do you hang out at all i hate you my neighbors <laughs> you do any charity work you hate your neighbors time to move <laughs> yeah, I'm just joking, but I mean that—that's the the mindset that we enter, right? Uh, I, I like that advice. Let's uh try to try to keep it in moderation for what you say. Some balance and control, because there balance. are a lot of benefits. I've met, I've learned a ton being online. Hey, that's how I, we met. That's how we met. Yeah, and to be honest, uh, I'm gonna do a shout out to Dan McAllister, who is the son of a Republican sen state senator who is a never Trumper. And he contacted me, I don't know, three years ago on Twitter. He said, I love your work and you suck on Twitter. Like, you don't know what you're doing. I said, I know, <laughs> I don't know. He said, let me teach you. I'm like, thank you. And I wound up hiring him part time. And that's how I got a following because I, I understood the game. But I'm an I'm I'm old school. Like I my last video game was Pac-Man. I mean, seriously, I don't do video games. <laughs> I'm not missing the time. out. I'm no. doing real work. 
Good. And keep doing that work, Dr. Hassan. And I encourage everyone to check out his podcast, The Influence Continuum, and check out the website, Freedom of Mind, because we all need to get some freedom. So, Dr. Hassan, I really appreciate you coming on today once again. Pleasure. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. You know, young people are our future. I just want to say that. And um, and uh, we we need to pull together the greatest resource that we have on Earth, which is hu the human spirit and the human imagination. And it just feels better to act out of love and compassion and empathy than out of hatred and fear. Amen to that. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow and subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about uncovering the truth by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening. And as always, I will continue to uncover the truth. The Uncovering the Truth theme song was created and produced by Pokari.